Minerva had embraced so eagerly. Minerva had often claimed that it was a folk style of yesteryear, but her daughter glanced now at the frantic circus of flowers and geometric shapes on the timbered ceiling and felt a familiar gush of embarrassment. Alex switched her gaze to her mother. Minerva Frobisher's pinched nostrils and pursed lips gave the impression she was attempting to shut out something particularly putrid. Mother, Alex appealed. I really must be allowed to make some decisions of my own. You can. You may choose whether you wish to be formally engaged to Edward St. John, Ashley Langdon Smith, or Duncan Cameron, or indeed courted by all of them. Then if it's up to me, I choose none of them. Her mother balked, giving a low gasp of indignation. Her father cut Alex a look of soft despair, as though admonishing her for prodding an already enraged beast. She returned it with a tiny shrug of apology. They both knew he was about to be drawn into the discussion he'd aimed to avoid. Charles! Yes, dear? What do you have to say to that? Minerva demanded. Her father strolled over to stand near the fireplace its blackened ironwork beneath the mahogany mantelpiece proclaimed its 1898 installation in bold relief. He turned his back to the dancing flames to pick up a warm pikelet that he folded neatly, careful not to spill a drop of the oozy butter or glistening jam. He bit into it deliberately to avoid speaking and nodded that he'd answer shortly when his mouth was no longer full. Fresh exasperation was sighed out by Minerva. Alexandra, she continued, you should have been married years ago, but as an only child we've indulged you. We've given you plenty of time, far more than most daughters. Plus you've grown up in a world of entitlement. I am aware of that, mother, Alex replied, trying hard not to snap her words. Are you? Really, darling, are you? because you show no indication that you're seriously taking on board your role. Please, Alex began. While I pray each evening that cousins Hugh and George are spared, I fear daily that both could be gone from us in a blink. I know that men's lives are being cut down by the thousands daily. Someone in this family has to be realistic about your future. Without Peter, Alex leapt in. She didn't want to travel the whole emotional journey again. I know, mother. You want me to marry and give you grandsons. Retain Tilsden. I do realize this. Both of us want this. But actually, Alexandra, I'm genuinely concerned that there is someone to look after you. Your father may not wish to press you, but I know that women don't get nearly as much say as they would like. Now, we can rail against it. And please don't misunderstand me, she said, raising a finger. I am full of admiration for courageous women who wish to change the way of the world. But our way, darling, is to cling to the traditional. I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it one more time, very clearly, so you make no mistake about your role for the Frobisher family. And it is not any harebrained idea of pursuing a career. You can't possibly contemplate working for wages. 
or you certainly wouldn't be considered marriage material. Besides, you know nothing about anything, frankly. Leave business to the men in your life. That's their role. Yours, my darling girl, is to marry. Most young women aren't given such a selection, but we love you deeply, and we do want you to be happy in your choice. It was impressive how her mother could give offence even when her words were chosen to show affection. Each is ideal in almost every way, except the most important. I barely knew your father when I was betrothed, and I did not run from my duty to marry him, even though I was far younger than you are. I very quickly grew to respect him. What about love, though, mother? Of course I love your father, Minerva replied with fresh indignation, but conveniently missing the point.